Running a consulting or service business is great. Unlike with product businesses and all those tech startups, you get to meet clients, you see the results of your work with your own eyes, and best of all, you make money right from the start. But on the other hand, as you start doing well, you have long hours, your schedules are dependent on your clients, and business growth is 100% based on the number of people that you can hire. So no wonder venture capitalists rush to fund SaaS businesses in preference to services businesses. So is there a way you can bridge both worlds? Can you build a successful service business and then pivot towards making it more product led? Well, today we are chatting with Sandeep Mittal, who's the founder of Cartesian Consulting, who'll walk us through how they are making a pretty successful transition from a pure services business into a product led SaaS business. So Sandeep, thanks a lot for joining us today. Before we begin, would you like to give us a brief introduction to yourself and maybe to your business? Thanks, Amit. Uh, thanks for having me here. By way of very quick introduction, I've been an entrepreneur pretty much all my working life. Me and a couple of friends, we started a company while we were still on in college. We did some software development back then. From there, I moved into the data analytics world, did a little bit of a side thing, running a portal for rock music in India at a point of time. For the analytics world and the work we did on the data sciences side, at the intersection of that and customer engagement is really what took root. So I set up a company called Cartesian in 2009, an analytics consulting company, scaled that uh, and scaled it fairly well, I would say. You know, we were at peak about 200 people operating. You know, we had offices in India and Singapore and the US, uh, doing a lot of very, very, very business uh, across the globe. And the last couple of years have really been about pivoting that business to a SaaS product business, uh, where the brand for the product business is Solus. So that's what I've been doing. Wow. So uh, that's a pretty long journey in terms of uh, running your business. It's been, what, two decades. And uh, incidentally, we should at some point of time talk about your side hustle on a rock music platform as well. Sounds pretty interesting. But for today, I think the fact that you've been running a successful business and 200 plus people, especially in analytics, is quite a successful business. So what exactly is the transformation that you're making or that you made? And what made you decide to make this transformation? So, I mean, what happens is there's a lot of joy in running services or analytics consulting business because you kind of are the person who's got the skills, expertise, and you come in and you solve the problems and you can do that really, really well and people pay you for it. So that's, it's a lot of joy. There's a lot of kick in it. You know, there's some problems that start getting evident as you scale. They're not terribly evident when you're small and you have a lot of control over things. But as you scale, you find that revenue is kind of very linearly tied to the number of people that you have. And it's not that straightforward building a team and getting the people because there are a couple of, you know, problems that are, you know, a push-pull over there. One is there's a lot of demand for that talent today. There's a whole bunch of people trying to get those people to good people and it's expensive getting good data science talent. At the same time, anybody who's even stared at an Excel sheet from across the room is calling themselves a data scientist. So it sometimes gets really hard to even figure out who even has the jobs you need to be able to do the work that needs to be done. So it's it's not straightforward building the team and it's hard. At the same time, the kind of work which was, you know, go deep into the data and solve for a business problem is something that more and more organizations are tending to take in-house. This is also in a way linked to that talent, you know, that glut of talent from a point where organizations have started building in-house teams and large in-house teams. So they now want to do more and more things in-house. So the analytics consulting firm is very often becoming someone who's providing FTEs. And we never got into this business wanting to be the provider of warm bodies. So that was not the intent. 
so that's a couple of things that were there happening in the market and at the same time what uh, you know the reason for the pivot was we built up an incredible amount of uh, ip phenomenal knowledge and we realized that each time a new client comes our way we kind of applying that fairly ground up it's not really easily transmitted between one client and the next and anybody in the team would come in and try to do things just a little bit differently again you can't scale it so in order to be able to capitalize the ip that we had we had to start pricing the ip that we had and not the number of people that we were putting onto the job so that combination of the scale constraint the talent problems and the fact that we had great ip that was waiting to be productized led to the decision ki let's now make the pivot that's really Okay, actually, this whole IP point and not being able to leverage it, I think that resonates with me quite a bit because when I started working and obviously started working at the same time, we were batchmates. The company I worked at was a consulting company, and they had plenty of IP in the form of just documents and content and frameworks and stuff that were there in the internal knowledge base. But exactly like you said, every time a new project would start. you never went back and looked at all of this stuff right you just started doing something with it and you didn't even know that some of these things existed so you're absolutely right i think it sounds good that over a plenty of time you build ip and it's i guess part of the sales pitch as well but it's much harder to actually implement that if you don't have a product of some kind so that's a really strong points and thanks for sharing that so how did you actually plan this journey because again plenty of people plenty of clients how did you evolve this whole process couldn't have happened overnight on anything but overnight you know this is something that i think we started the work on it 2 years before we uh, actually went ahead and did it so it took 2 years of groundwork so it's literally that you know to be able to do the pivot in 2019 late 2019 we started the work in 2017 where knowing that this is the direction in which we would want to head we started bringing in people and senior people to start changing the dna of the organization because most crucial thing in that pivot is the leadership the dna has to change otherwise it's not going to happen so we brought in product engineering we brought in product r&d we started uh, packaging what we were doing in more kind of easily delivered and productized format so that later when we were actually building a product we would have something that's really what it took knowing exactly what the product was going to be was also part of that new year journey and sometimes knowing what the product wants to be is more of factor knowing what you don't want it to be so what in our services portfolio were we not going to protect and i remember they used to have these whiteboard meetings and when we said what is going to be the product that we come up with every single service offering would be on that every single thing that we did and we started whittling it down and down and down till we landed on literally two things out of maybe 20 that we would have delivered at some point in time that was part of the hard work done in those two years and those were a lot of battles internally that some part of work just somebody's favorite you said no it's not going to be part of the product so those calls had to be taken and actually uh, speaking of the two years did you actually plan for two years so you knew it would take that long or did it just take two years but you thought it would be quicker I'm very sure that when we started it, we thought this will happen in three, four months. The two years is in hindsight, but it's also in hindsight there's an awareness that it would have been very hard for it to be less than two years, especially because you were running an active, vibrant services business on the side. So one was splitting one's time and attention straight down the middle and saying there's a certain amount of time that's going to go into you know pushing the product development side, right? And still had a other business to run. So anything less than two years would have been honestly 
not possible and i suppose that's because you had challenges and you or rather you may have planned for certain risks and so on as part of this so what were some of these challenges or impacts uh, that you encountered through the process so the challenges are i think the biggest challenge is quite literally changing the tires while in motion so managing the cash flows which is probably the hardest part of running any bootstrap business it's hard enough as it is when you're simultaneously generating burn in building up a product development team while making sure you don't lose the cash flow you're generating from a business that you're retiring that dance is really hard compound that with the fact that it becomes apparent internally that you're making this pivot and there's a whole lot of people that have joined the organization wouldn't join for this they came in to do analytics consulting work they want to build things ground up so you have to change that dna that is a really hard thing and finally you know the new people that you brought in it's not like everything is gold over there either because you brought in product development skills but they're not yet front and center so they needed to have the patience to do things quietly in the background for a while before we could launch and before they came front and center so it was quite a bit of juggling to get it all going for a while so actually on the second point right again this is something that i identify with because in the past i've had situations that i've tried to launch like a business within a business kind of thing so you know the intrapreneurship kind of stuff so in that situation i know that you are the little ant on the back of an elephant kind of thing and when you need resources or you need mind share or attention you're not getting it because the main thing still has to be run so how did you avoid uh, that kind of situation or did that actually happen that uh, you know they were starved of resources or things like that I think we did a fairly good job of making sure that didn't happen. The entire run-up period, and definitely from 2019 onwards, the senior leadership did the pivot. So you know, I actually at a point of time, I went into my calendar and looked at all the meetings I'd done over a 365-day period. I don't know. I think I, I probably was up half the night because I couldn't sleep or something, and I just did that. I made an Excel sheet of those meetings, and I tagged them as were they about product or were they about the services business. and over 80% of them were to do with the product business so that's when you know that you're feeding that part of the business sufficiently because anything less would not have happened and this is before we even lost the product so that pivot was done at the senior level a little before the rest of the organization was kind of got uh, locked so it was not start it was not start forward okay that's good because i guess that's the surest way for a new thing to actually fail even if you want to do it Okay and you mentioned things about people especially you know folks who may have wanted to continue in an analytics services sort of a space so how did you do the org side transformation or how did you do the communication or helping people through all of this so i mean you can't do enough of it and no matter how much we did i'm sure we fell short because we ended lots there we I mean, starting top down, literally, the number of times we went through, why are we doing this, and what it's going to mean, and how it means maybe reskilling or changing career, etc. But you know, so there's a bunch of people who did that. They're very excited about being part of a product business because even within the data sciences and analytics space, there is a set of people who truly believe that what we do should be part of a product. We want to build IP that becomes reusable. So there is that mindset. and there is another mindset that says i want to start first principles i want to go ground up and beyond the point you can't bring that mindset along so i mean there were many instances where we also had to part ways with very good people and it's okay because it's good for them it's not bad for us either because you wouldn't want them to be in a place which is not aligned to 
what they want out of their careers which is do analytics consulting and i think you mentioned somewhere earlier about how you had to keep clients in what you knew was going to be a legacy business so how did that work out the sales process the relationship management and so on so there did come a point where we stopped taking on any consulting work but there are clients and some of them are large clients which continue to be there even today because that provides cash flow and there's legacy and there's a relationship and more important than any of them these are brands which at the right point will adopt the product that they build so the biggest reason to carry on with some of the legacy business is that these are incredible names and brands that are prospects for us in the future so there's a cash flow reason and there's a future business reason we get to learn new things from them all of them and sometimes it's just relationship so we have been able to carry on with some of them and we will till the right time comes that they will switch over Okay, and and they were happy to go through this journey with you, is it? Like they know that it's going to transform and so on. Yeah, so they all know what we are doing in terms of the pivot. The ones, most of them that could have and would have have made the transformation. There's some where you know when the contracts completed, we have not renewed because there was no opportunity to transition them to our product business. Those are really tough calls when you're running a business. When you say no to business that is already in the bag. because it doesn't fit the future that you want for the organization so you had to do that a number of times in the last few months yeah so that's one of the tough parts of doing the transition you will end up saying no to a lot of business yeah that's a really tough call definitely i mean it's it's money that's already there so uh, how did uh, i mean speaking of all of this so how are you thinking about the business model or how have you planned that because obviously that new business model has to take up for what you're losing in the old one So the business model, and this is something we talk about a lot internally. The core business is the same in the sense that how do you drive incremental sales from the existing customer base, doing a really smart job of leveraging first-party data available with the brand in some shape and form. That's what we were doing earlier. We were doing that a decade ago. That's what we were doing with the product. So the value we're delivering to the clients actually hasn't changed. The business model has moved from being kind of work for hire, where you get paid for the hours that you're spending, to subscribe to the IP that I have. along with that shift in business model comes a number of things your entire structure changes because you now what used to be account management is customer success you require product support you require engineering you require r&d you know so the you require quality control you require documentation and knowledge base building so the business actually gets far more complex consulting business in many ways is extremely simple is that one line item of revenue and is a very simple structure to deliver in it by and large product is far more complex so the business model does change in that sense and owning the ip becomes the new kind of center of the business or the people building the ip that becomes a heart and soul of the business your pricing models change you start experimenting with a bunch of pricing models whether you're doing subscription based on number of customer records or number of api calls that are being made you start getting people to pay you in advance for a quarter which honestly we never were able to do in a consulting businesses ever and we come to a point where we get paid in advance for the year as well those things are very very fundamental changes that we've had to encounter I guess that must be the primary reason for doing things like this right I think one was the use of IP or better use of IP and the second is the fact that money comes in in a very different way from uh, what it used to in a services business if, if and if I could just add one point to that if it would take us a team of 3 people to deliver a certain task that same task we can see that now happening with literally you know a fifth of a person so it to deliver 
it still takes an army to build it so you require an army to build something which now a fifth of a person can deliver so that dynamic changes very substantially yeah that's right and that is the true ip building effect of all of this build it once hopefully and uh, like it it gives you uh, dividends for the rest of over time Okay so that's on the business model and so on. So in summary right if we look back at all the stuff that you've seen over the past 2 uh, years what are some of the things that you had planned that worked and what are some of the things that you thought would happen but uh, didn't work or didn't happen the way that you thought. No so what's worked is this pivot of the organization that internal alignment the fact that we now truly think of ourselves as a 2 year old SaaS startup. I mean Truly, that's the way we're operating as the leadership team and the founders. What's worked is the traction that we've got, and this attraction all bootstrap, where we've now got like 32 brands on our product platform, and the ARR numbers are great, and the growth numbers are great, and we've learned a whole new language of the kind of metrics that SaaS companies track and are supposed to track, and all of that is great. The sales engine is kind of on both sides. It's been phenomenal in some markets. New markets is yet to pick up. So the sign that is yet to work is. new unfamiliar markets breaking into them the product offering without the backing to do a fair amount of experiments that may or may not go wrong and marketing so far we not yet been into crack and it's we've been kind of iterating on that you're doing things different doing things different that's one your entire gtm what's that product market fit what is the offering is working a market does it translate immediately to the other market is something people told us very early on that you know it doesn't happen and really of course it will happen and we're learning now that no it does not happen that way what's worked in a place is not going to translate immediately so the sales engine getting it humming in unfamiliar markets figuring out the product market fit again kind of similar thing for a new market they're realizing that is trial and error experimentation will take time especially when you're bootstrap are you finding that you know when you approach new prospect you know prospective clients are they more open to a saas offering than you know equivalent ones were to a services offering like is it easier to get a foot in the door it is especially in this uh, market right now we have never seen a sales pipeline like what we currently have i have not seen in the last 20 years the number of brands we are that we are talking to and i also know that about 70% of those brands if we spoke to them about a services offering they would today say i have a team in house that's doing this we don't need services okay so that's interesting that you actually have managed to get a whole new sort of service which people appreciate and it's actually playing into the the way that people think nowadays So I think Sandeep thanks a lot for sharing all of this it's been really interesting and I think very very insightful and I'm sure people who've uh, worked on who have services businesses will learn a lot from this and I'm pretty sure they can actually try to make their own transformations so in that context before we close do you have any tips or any suggestions for other people who might want to transform or or pivot or you know make some sort of a hybrid out of their own services business what would you want to tell them ah uh. Probably three things. One is be very sure you want to do it because it's not easy. It is hard, and it's hard for a while. I mean, even for others, in in a way, four years, and it's going to be hard for a while. So you have to be very sure you want to do it. You have to be very clear on what product you're going to build. If we had been even a little unsure of the product, and if it had taken us longer to find that fit, in a way. We are incredibly lucky that we found the fit quickly, and we started generating revenue and cash flow very quickly, as compared to I'm sure a lot of product businesses, because we were very sure what we wanted to build. Doing this pivot while being unsure of what you want to build 
would have been i mean that would have been so and uh, you have to mentally restart you have to feel like the founder of a brand new startup so that mental kind of reboot is absolutely crucial in fact related to that i think you mentioned that when you all were whiteboarding all of this like deciding what to build you started with everything but you had to keep at it until you brought it down to like some core set of services so i guess it is really like running a startup i mean starting from scratch and being very ruthless about what you're going to productize yeah it is thanks a lot sandeep for sharing this so in summary what we're saying is if anybody wants to go through this journey they need to be prepared for the long haul both before and to some extent after as well need to be very very sure about why you're doing something and what exactly it is that you're going to be building and have the entire backing of your leadership team obviously but also of your people and know that some of them are not going to make this transition with you for good reasons can i add one more thing sure sure it is just incredibly exciting to build a product there is if at all one almost wishes one were done sooner because the joy you get when you build something which people subscribe to and you keep pouring your time and energy into it and making it better and better rather than moving on to the next project it is unbelievably gratifying so it's it's worth it Wow, that's pretty cool. And it's actually quite cool that you've had the experience of both sides, right? First, you get the chance of actually working with clients, which has has its own fun and joy because you're directly working with them. You can see what you're actually doing. And then you have the joy of seeing that you've built some knowledge which is so powerful and so packageable and so universally applicable that people will pay you just for that knowledge in a packaged form so that's pretty cool actually both ways so thanks again sandeep for joining us it, this was a wonderful conversation and i'm sure very very valuable to all our listeners thanks a lot for joining and for our listeners thank you for uh, being with us today this was sandeep and amit with shop talk i uh, will see you next time thank you